Well, hey, it sure is good to see everybody. How many think like me that uh, uh, the Lord is going to return? It might be soon, and wouldn't it be cool if it was on spring break and you were here in church, you know? Yeah, that'd be all right. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? Looking forward to that. I know he's being patient with all of us because he's waiting for us to go let our friends and our family know uh, what is at stake and having a faith in him. And I hope we can encourage one another to do that. So good to see you guys this weekend. Wasn't Mike Bro just a delight last weekend to have him with us? Wasn't that great? He is a great fellow. I've known Mike since goodness. I got out of high school 72. He got out in 74. And uh, we, we caught the last couple of years of college over to Bible College in Illinois together and been a friend ever since. And what a great thrill to have him with us and how neat it's going to be to have him, have him on Easter. Uh, well, we're, we're in this Quest 52 thing. I hope all of you are going along with it. Uh, to be real honest, we're in, in chapter 11 and there's uh, four sections of 13, 13, 13, 13. We will finish up in a couple of weeks here on this Quest 52. We're talking um, about the person of Jesus and looking at, at his life. Then we'll move on to the power of Jesus, the preaching of Jesus on the next 13 weeks. And then finally, as we end the year, it'll be about the passion of Jesus. But it's really a tremendous thing that I hope you can dig in, be a part of a group, and just uh, listen to the video, read the, the chapter that we've got going on, and go deeper and deeper and deeper so that we can let Jesus get a better hold of our life together. Uh, I want to dive in if we can because the, the topic that we talk about this weekend is one that is, is one that's uh, it's hard to deal with. Things come to the surface. Uh, the, the actual topic that we, we, we have is, does my past determine my future? How many would say along with me, Lord, I hope not, okay? <laughs> I, I'm with you. I hope it doesn't. We all have had pretty seriously stupid moments in our life before that we don't, we want edited out of our life, and that's what the cross of Jesus Christ does. He forgives us, he cleanses us when we come to him in faith. But what does it look like when we really have to deal with the shame that comes about in our life? And how did a person, particularly here in the scripture in Luke chapter 7, that we, we look at to see as she became a follower of Jesus, she had a, a very terrible past, but when she came to faith, she came to surrender her heart and life to him. And that's what we're all, all of us are called to do. Now, I want to take a look at that. It'll appear on the screen. Uh, if you're with us online, uh, uh, dive in on Luke 7. I'm in the New Living Translation. It may be a little different if you're NIV or something like that, but let's just read this story. Now, it's 16 verses, so buckle up. Get comfortable, but not too comfortable, all right? It's always a dangerous thing when preachers tell you to get uh, relaxed. You know, we don't want to get too relaxed, but this is an incredible account, if you will of an encounter that a person had, and more than one person, but primarily on this lady. Let's begin in verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Now, a little side note. Most Bible scholars say that was probably worth a couple years' salary, all right? So we don't want to talk how she got that, but you pretty well figure that out. A lot of money in that. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. These are big tears, crocodile tears. Her heart is absolutely broken. And she's in the presence and at the feet 
of Jesus. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now notice that little phrase. He didn't say it out loud. I'm sure his body language said something like this, but he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Now what's he doing here? He's judging both, isn't he? He's saying, she's a sinner, far from God, and if this guy that I invited to dinner, if he thought he was a prophet, if he knew what she was and what she did, he'd have nothing to do with her. So he's judging both of them. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Now, isn't that scary? <laughs> okay. Turn to your neighbor say, he knows exactly what you're thinking right now. He's like you. He doesn't know where you're going to eat tonight. Neither do you. That's yet to be determined, okay? But right now, he knows what you and I are thinking. Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. I'm sure Simon was thinking a lot. All right, he's going to call for security, and he's going to say, listen, Simon, I came just to spend time with you and your friends. I don't know what he thought he was going to do, but he seemed to, to want Jesus to say something. Then Jesus told him this story. It's a parable. Always remember a parable is, uh, I think the, uh, the children's church version is it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's a holy hypothetical, if you will. Okay, it didn't happen, but it could have, but he's trying to make a point so he'll understand. Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one, 50 pieces of silver to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. What do you suppose, Jesus said, who do you suppose, excuse me, loved him more after that? Now, there's a little theme here. Because biblical, cultural scholars would look back and say that 500 pieces of silver was about the same amount as that, that jar of very expensive perfume, a couple of years' salary. So he's contrasting the indebtedness. Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Bingo. Thanks for playing. Tell him what he's won, all right? He lets him know you're on to you, you answered it absolutely right. And notice what happens next. This is really different than anything you and I would imagine. He turned to the woman. Jesus turns to this woman who's right at his feet. And he said to Simon, wait a second. If you're talking to Simon, wouldn't you turn to him? If you're talking to the lady, wouldn't you turn to her? Oh, no. Notice what Jesus does. He turns to her. But he says to him, look at the woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she's washed them with her tears, wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she's not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she's anointed my feet with rare Perfume. Simon, you're 0 for 3. <laughs> three things you didn't do, she did. You didn't do that, she did. You didn't do that, she's still doing that. Showing honor and love. A broken heart in his presence. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So, she has shown me much love. But a person who's forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. 
And the men at the table, his buddies, perhaps other Pharisees, religious leaders of the day, said among themselves, who is this man that goes around forgiving sins? Who does he think he is? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you now. Go in peace. An incredible encounter. An encounter with a woman and a man. And it begins, we'll kind of follow through a little bit. I want to try to illustrate some things that would have gone on. First of all, it begins with an RSVP, all right? Don't you love those things? Let me know if you're coming. Does anybody know what that stands for, RSVP? It's French, right? Did everybody know that? Respondez s'il vous plaît, all right? Yes, no. (laughs) No, I'm not sure it's that French, But it is responde super play. Get back with me. Let me know if it's a wedding, wedding reception, a graduation thing. I need to know how many of those meatballs at Sam's Club I got to get. So let me know and we'll get that all taken care of. He gives Jesus an RSVP, says, mark the date, want to have you at dinner. And Jesus agrees. And he says, okay, I'll do that. It begins with an invitation. And in this invitation is to maybe have Jesus come and hang out with him and his friends. Now, we really don't know what he was up to. I think he was up to a little more than just, uh, uh, you know, kind of dinner. I think he was trying to put, see if Jesus would kind of fit in with his crowd. Or maybe the next day on Facebook, you'd see a selfie of him and Jesus saying, look who came to my house, and this would help his image. Sometimes it can happen. Now, after the invitation, Jesus responds, and he says, I'm going to make sure and be there. And he does show up. And dinner begins. I don't know if the appetizers had kicked in or what all was happening. But here comes an interruption. And an interruption is this lady coming in in, in to to the whole party. Uh, Every once in a while, you can have an interruption in in an event that you don't know really what to make of. Uh, Years ago when we lived in Las Vegas, uh, I remember sitting down on Mother's Day with Sue Lynn. We went out to eat. The kids, we'd had a time together. They went to hang out with their friends. And I remember we just sat and I said, you know, hon, we've had a few people come out and visit. We didn't think anybody would kind of drive all that way or fly all that way. And I said, uh, who would you really like to have come out? Wouldn't it be fun? And I knew who she'd say. She says, oh, my, uh, my grandma and papa, you know, Harry and Anna Lee. And so I get on the phone and I do all I can to talk Anna Lee into, can you get Harry out here? I know he won't want to fly. They come out on the year they turned 80 years old. They fly out to Vegas, all right? And we have a whole week that's really neat. Now, we... They wanted to see the city. They, they loved out in uh, Red Mountains and all that kind of thing. But they wanted to go to Golden Nugget. So here we are at the Golden Nugget downtown. And I'm, I'm getting tired. It's almost midnight. And I'm thinking, okay, I got to go to work tomorrow. All of a sudden, Anna Lee, all of 411, says, I hear a band. Let's go hear the band. Okay, here we go. You know, So we're, we're just hanging out. But we had the time of our lives. The only moment I felt a little bit of discomfort, okay, was uh, we're over there and Harry's driving dropping a a $2 roll of nickels, okay? Uh, If you live out there, you understand it's no more sinful than any place else. It's just well lit, okay? (laughs) Everybody sees the bad stuff that's going. It's a county fair out of control. That's really what it is. So Harry's dropping a couple of nickels, and all of a sudden, here comes a cocktail waitress, and they kind of come around, you know, give you a drink, this and that, and she sees me. And she has just started coming. I'd met her one time, and I couldn't tell you her name. And she, she's, uh, she's as friendly as could be, comes up to me, runs up to me. Oh, George, we love it. It's central. Gives me this big hug, does this dancing, you know. And I'm going, I don't know her, Harry. I don't know her at all. 
And Harry said what he always said, is that right? Is, anybody have a relative that says, is that right? Okay, he said, I'm, I'm not sure we got, he always said that. So I had some explaining to do, but sweet gal, uh, Jean one time baptized a, a bunch of cocktail waitress, waitresses there who worked in the industry but came to church and it was a neat thing. All 30 of them came and they wanted their picture with him right in front of the church. It, so we had moments and stories like that. This was just one of those others. That was an interrupting thing that might needed a little explanation. There's no way to explain what's going on here with Jesus and this lady. She has absolutely interrupted the whole dinner scene and nobody knows what's going to happen next. Now, what does happen next are what I call three back-to-back-to-back moments. See if you can say that, back-to-back-to-back. You got it. You're with me. We're just keeping you awake, all right? Saturday night, I know, we got to keep you hopping here. Back-to-back-to-back moments, they're real simple. The first one is a tearful moment. The second one is a resentful moment. And the third one is a teachable moment. In this tearful moment, this lady brings this alabaster jar. Now, if you saw the the uh, video that Mark Moore does in the teaching, he has one from Egypt. He says it's, it's not from Israel, it's from Egypt, but it's very similar. Mine is from Hobby Lobby. <laughs> I don't think it says that, but that's what my wife told me, so I'm going with that one, all right? Now, the cool thing is, the col- isn't that a cool color? Uh, the, the name or the word alab- alabaster a- a- actually is, uh, f- uh, in Romanian, all I know is uh, Roshi is red, I remember when we lived in Las Vegas, verde is green in in Spanish. But if you want to say what's the color blue, what is the word in Romanian? It's alabastru. So beautiful. She has this alabaster jar and it has this ointment, not just perfume. The stuff that they would put an ounce with that would make a gallon of perfume. This is probably, she was a very immoral woman, most likely a prostitute. I love what Liz Curtis Higgs says in her book, Bad Girls of the Bible. She's a tremendous speaker, tremendous author. And she just says, okay, let's not talk about it a lot. She doesn't need a job description for what she does, okay? Everybody understands and knows. But this was probably her livelihood completely. And her pension, her future, everything. And she wanted to be in the presence of Jesus desperately. And when she was, she breaks this open. After her tears have washed his feet, her hair has has dried his feet. And she just cannot kiss his feet enough and honor him enough, all the while crying and crying and crying. Uncomfortable moment, to say the least. An uncomfortable time, and yet it was for Simon, but it wasn't for Jesus, and it didn't seem to be for this particular lady. This tearful moment, and to contrast what I experienced out west for a while with just a lady who's glad to come to church, what Jesus had going on here. I remember one time, isn't it odd sometimes or kind of hard when somebody is very emotional? You want to be there, but you don't know. Do you give a hug? Do you kind of back away a little bit? Back in the day, I preached a Sunday night sermon. That's when 50 people came. They let the youth minister uh, give it a shot. And what's it going to hurt? You know, keep him once a month. He'll do that. And I remember I had a sermon on Psalm 51. If you know what that Psalm is, it's David after his heart is broken over his sin. 
with an immoral relationship with Bathsheba and having her husband set up to be killed. He's got a lot of guilt. Nathan the prophet comes, confronts him, turns the table, tells him a parable, and his heart is broken. And he writes Psalm 51. If you know the Keith Green song of Psalm 51 from way back, it's creating me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David writes and Keith Green sings, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation and renew a right spirit within me. His heart's broken. And I remember trying to put some points together that night of resolve, of resolution, of repentance, of reconciliation. And like Sesame Street, the sermon tonight is brought to you by the letter R and just coming up with everything I could that would help unpack that. And I remember looking out at the crowd and thinking, okay, this one didn't fly too good. I tried to tell you everything I knew. Okay, well, next month I'll get another shot on a Sunday night. And uh, some of you might remember back in the day if you grew up, remember having a closing song and the preacher walks down the aisle? Yeah, some of you might remember. And we're doing the take the name of Jesus with you. And I get about the fifth row back and I'm thinking, okay, Lord, probably won't do this one again. I'll try harder next time. You know, they all look like they're ready to go out for pizza. Ah, I think I missed this one. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, absolutely took me by surprise. A lady just climbed over three people to get to me. And I, I, I didn't know what. All of a sudden, she just holds on to me. And I don't know what to do. And I, 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 I'm headed that way. We're okay. Walk with me. Walk with In tears. She could not, it, it just came to the surface. Have you ever had a moment where your heart just broke so much? That was her moment. And she began to unpack a couple of things. I said, okay, we can't talk about this in the lot Of some things that had happened, she'd had terrible devastation in her life. And she had been embittered towards God for a long time and became very promiscuous. And she could not hold that in any longer. And I'm th it's like God was saying, I don't care how bad your sermons are. When people hear my word, I'm the one who will touch their heart. Amen? Amen. It doesn't matter how much we are clumsy in our witness to anybody. It is the word of God and the spirit of God that produces a heart of repentance. They all don't have to begin with R. But all of a sudden, I found myself catching the tears of somebody who desperately needed to find forgiveness in Christ. That's who this lady is. Her tearful moment was contrasted with a resentful moment by Simon the Pharisee. And he's over on the other side. Before we get to him, let's take a moment. If we had to put a little name plate out on this lady, we don't know her, her name, but here is what she felt. She felt an incredible amount of sin and shame. Now, we, we don't necessarily see a lot of that in our heart and life. We see broken people, but sometimes it never gets down to the real sin and shame of the violation of the heart of God. But if we love and care for them and come close to them and help them be in the presence of Jesus, there will be a conviction in their heart. Sometimes we look, and I love what happened at Asbury. 
that whole revival thing over there where people just want to keep singing, keep talking, confessing. Always remember, revival always begins with repentance. Say that with me. Revival always begins with repentance. It is that type of broken heart that will usher in any kind of revival that God wants to do in our heart and life. And Jesus is allowing her to have this broken heart and reaching out to her. All of a sudden, uh, there's this moment with, with, uh, with Simon, and it's a resentful moment. And, and he says in his mind, you know, I, 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 can't, I thought this guy was a prophet. He's not a prophet. He doesn't even know what kind of woman that is. You see, back then, they really thought that sin was contagious, where Jesus says, oh, no, no. Your sin's not going to bother me. I'm going to come close to you. I'll be right there with you, holding on to you, helping you get up as long as you repent and trust and place your faith in me. And he has this terrible condescending attitude. So if we had to put his name plate up, I'd probably call him pride and prejudice, all right? I would say he's looking and saying, you know what, Jesus, he doesn't know what's going on. He's not a prophet. And that lady, she's a terrible person. Anytime, anytime that we can't see people for who they are as people, I'm not talking about right and wrong. We hold on to the absolute truth of what God says about people and truth and holiness, and we don't compromise that at all. Amen? We stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Been singing that since I was three. No time to stop now. But it can't be with a prideful, prejudice, heart and attitude that he had. So the resentful moment follows that tearful moment. Now it's time for a teachable moment. And Jesus says, all right, I want to make sure that they uh, get the point here. And Jesus says, uh, tell me, Simon, uh, let me tell you this story. A fellow owed 500 a denarii, you know, a whole lot of money. Another guy, only 50 uh, the, the, the owner, you know, canceled the debt and said, you tell me who, who really would, would love him more. And of course he says the guy with the bigger debt. Exactly. And then all of a sudden what Jesus does is incredible because he, he kind of turns the table on him right now. And he says, I want you to understand really what is going on. And he does a contrast. And in this contrast uh, of the life between the two different people and how they treated Jesus that night. In that, he, he says there's a little bit of this kind of shift within the text. And he says, you need to know, remember we said, he, he looks at her but talks to him. Uh, you, you didn't give me uh, any water for my feet and she's not quit uh, washing my feet with her tears. You didn't give me a kiss on the cheek, you know, just a, a little East, East, Middle Eastern, a European kind of thing. They all know that. It's just a little, each side a little kiss. You didn't do that at all. You didn't give me any oil for my head. You neglected everything. Now, in that moment, what was he doing? He was trying to affirm her, but also let Simon see who he really is. A lot of you might remember we had a fellow here years ago who was an intern with us for about a year and a half, Titus Chapman. I just talked to Titus today, 
And uh, he's doing great and uh, really appreciate him a whole lot. Uh, led worship for us. He, he grew up uh, African-American church in Cincinnati. Wound up uh, going, taking a class at Cincinnati Bible College, and we're connected with them, have been for years. Next thing you know, he's, he's really helping a lot of diversity happen in, in many different churches and, and ours as well. And uh, he moved to Owensboro, Kentucky, and he told me one time, I asked him if I could tell this story. It's a great story. He said when they, they hired him there, they said, listen, we, we, want, to, we want to grow in our diversity, uh, but here's one song that we do at communion most of the time. Would you learn that and do that and then bring something from your culture where we can mix it together? And Titus said, absolutely, I'll try to do that. What's the song? So we had to learn a little chorus called, uh, uh, change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may it be like you. So he learns that. And then he's going to mash it up. And I, I remember when he told me the first time, I said, Titus, what'd you come up with? He said, I couldn't come up with a thing that seemed to fit. He said, but at the last moment, here's what I did. Change my heart, oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, oh God, may I be like you. And then all of a sudden, he said, it just hit me. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change his way. I said, that's genius. I said, that's perfect. That's 1 Corinthians 11, the Lord's Supper. Examine your heart and life. How'd it go? Well, <laughs> he gave me permission to share that, but I'm telling you, that's exactly what Jesus did. Here's what he does. He's talking to her, looking at her, but his real deep meaning is for him because he wants to see the man in the mirror. And he says, Simon, you got to look at yourself. You're not honoring me. You are filled with pride and prejudice. And yet at the same time, he's honest with him. He's loving and he's affirming that, helping her to come out of her shameful past. She wants out. She has left everything, her past, her present, and an alabaster jar of her whole future. And now he's trying to help, trying to help. Simon see himself with every phrase. I said, Titus, that was awesome. You going to do that one again? Well, I don't know. But I'm telling you, you and I have to have moments that we look at ourselves, don't we? Sometimes it's the hardest thing to do. But if we're going to get over our past and let Jesus cleanse us from our shame, and deliver us from our pride and prejudice, it's gonna be because we can look at him. Now, notice what happens after that. It's just simply to, to take a look at the, the takeaway that happens. And the takeaway, Jesus boils this down. He says, here's the phrase. I want you to understand it. The takeaway in verse 47 is simply to understand that whoever is forgiven much loves much. And whoever is forgiven just a little bit only loves just a little bit. See, Jesus always comes with what we'll put for his name tag here, and that is grace and truth. You and I have to have the amazing grace, but sometimes we have to have the painful truth of who we are. And if I could be honest with you, I pretty much grew up as a recovering Pharisee. Some of our guys in our, our uh, Quest 52 group identify with that as well. Simon the Pharisee never recovered. 
Just wanted the grace. I'm pretty good on my own. I'm really not that bad. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. Ain't nothing like her. But he didn't want to hear the truth of the darkness of his own soul. And if we had time, we could talk about that. But all of us that are being honest with God have a moment when we just say, God, I don't know where I would be without you. I'm so thankful you put somebody in my life that helped me come closer to Jesus and helped me be able to let go of whatever the problem was within my heart and within my life. You know, it's kind of like the story of the prodigal son. It's like you got the loving father and the, the, the rebellious son and then the older son. And the older son is just nothing but resentment. But the prodigal son comes to his senses. This lady came to her senses. She came to the brokenness of her heart and life. And she offered it back to Jesus. And Jesus says, you don't have to stay that way. You don't have to stay that way at all. Now, it winds down with simply looking at an announcement that Jesus makes and, and looking at the criticism that comes about and then he dismiss. I mean, the party's over already. Dinner's over. This whole thing has been hijacked and, and it's not what Simon thought it was going to be. And in that announcement, the announcement is to let her know your sins are forgiven. She needed to hear that. Simon needed to hear that. All the others need, other people needed to hear that. And they criticized Jesus. Who do you think you are? God? <laughs> yes. <laughs> he was establishing who he was and what he had the right and power to do. And for them to come to a point of faith in their life as well. And then he dismisses her. He simply says, your faith has saved you. Now, go in peace. Not just cut back a little bit. Not just, ah, you're going to be fine. Uh, nothing like that. He just simply says, you go in the fullness, the shalom, the peace that only I can give to you. Now, for us, we need to take a moment and look at the quest that you and I are really on. What is that quest? Is our quest to come and just say, God, I got a lot of things I'm not proud of. I need you to forgive me. Trust me. If that's where you are, this is where you need to be, at the feet of Jesus. We bring our sin and shame, every one of us. Paul always reflected on it. He didn't beat himself up, but he said, you need to know, I'm the chief of sinners. I am deep into grace. And we all are. Maybe we need to understand just how deep we are in need of his grace and mercy. Maybe that's kind of the quest, is to let him have our, our guilt and our shame. Maybe part of the quest we're on right now is we need to lay down our pride and just say, God, I can't feel like I'm better than anybody. I need to be among other people and identify with we all are deep into to your grace and share with them and love them and not fall into this pharisaical attitude that sometimes can happen to every one of us when we walk with the Lord for a while, thinking, okay, we're doing all right and everybody knows where the church is. Hopefully they can make it, see you in heaven, uh, but not really worry too much about that. God may want to help us get over ourselves, so we can reach out to somebody else. 
Or maybe, let me throw that in, maybe it's just the reluctance that we have. Maybe we're reluctant to be in the place of Jesus where we dispense the grace and the truth. See, that's what he wants you and I to do. He's counting on you and me and our families. And those families at the beginning of the service that dedicate their heart and life and dedicate their kids to the Lord, that they will be people who will offer grace and truth. Not just grace. God loves you. God loves you. Eh, Stay the same way you are. No, 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 no. He loves us, but we have to see ourselves in the mirror of his word, of what's right and what's wrong. So maybe that's your quest now. God doesn't say, come on your own terms. He says, you got to come on mine. And most of you, if you've been around me for a while, you know, yeah, can't finish it without this. Here we go. (laughs) Too many years of children's church and youth ministry. All right. I want to ask you to think with me. What song would this lady have sung? to Jesus that night. It's a song of repentance, a song of brokenness. A few weeks ago, uh, Sam and Hannah on our worship team taught us a a song that was based on Romans chapter two. This one is as well. It's an older one from the 80s, just the chorus, just kind of listen. But I think it might've been what she would have sung to him. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord. Knowing that you love us No matter what we do Makes us want to love you too It's your kindness that leads us To repentance, O Lord Knowing that you love us No matter what we do It makes us want to love you too has a real 60s feel, doesn't it? But what song, what song would he sing to her? And not from the 80s in church. You've got to go a little newer. About 15 years ago, so there was a group uh, that came out with this song, and I just love the chorus. You are more than the choices that you make. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. You are more than the choices that you make. You are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. And isn't that a song that you need to hear, that I need to hear? I may have wandered and been stupid in my life, but none of us have wandered too far that God cannot pull us in. Amen? Isn't this a song that maybe we ought to sing to our kids as we raise them? Because they're going to mess up like we mess up. They'll have to sing that one to us too. Now humor me and I'll let you go early, okay? Sing both of those with me, just gently, even whisper them. 
her song to him. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord. Knowing that you love us no matter what we do makes us want to love you too. It's your kindness that leads us to repentance, O Lord. Knowing that you love us no matter what we do makes us want to love you too you are more than the choices that you make you are more than the sum of your past mistakes you are more than the problems you create you've been remade you are more than the choices that you make you are more than the sum of your past mistakes. You are more than the problems you create. You've been remade. I'm looking at the man in the mirror. I'm asking him to change my ways today. Amen. Now, what I want to ask you to do is what we always do. Stay and pray or have a great day. <laughs> Love you guys. Have a great weekend.